I'm Lisa, an artist, 2D animator, and professional anime watcher. Hello, I'm Winnie, an illustrator, designer, and former manga kawanabi. Welcome to Heart to Hato, a podcast where two friends have a heart to heart about anime. So wow. this, this is the first episode. <laughs> the first episode, technically, chronologically, yes. we chronologically. did try to record something ahead of time, just as a prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't so, know. Did, should we make that? I was thinking. Okay, so the first episode we actually recorded was a Code Geass episode, and we went hard on it. We went really hard. So I'm not sure if that will be like our first first episode, other than like this introductory one. Yeah, we should save it for later. <laughs> we 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 haven't exactly decided.、Um, but what I also find interesting about that is since we started recording a prototype and not the intro first, that episode, if it does get released chronologically after this, will sound probably a lot more messy and not as organized as this one. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. So for these episodes, like I wanted to try one without notes, and that was the one that we tried without notes. And it was a little bit chaotic, but like in a fun way. Yes. But this one, we're coming in really prepared, right? <laughs> oh yeah.、Um, but yeah, let's kind of give a little bit of background first. I imagine anybody who's listening to this might know us personally, but for people who don't,、um, we're two friends who recently met through a mutual art Discord like a couple months ago, and sort of we started talking about various hobbies and came to the realization that we both. Love anime. Been watching anime for a long time, and not only that, we absolutely love discussing and analyzing the different media thing, media、uh, that we've consumed. And that、uh, realization also brought us to a place where our overlap in opinions was quite apparent. Like we're usually quite on the same page when it comes to、uh, what we talk about, and、um, so. Since our discussions, we at least to us, we usually found so fascinating. We were like, "Why not just record what the conversations we have regularly and just make it into a pod?" Right, and it's funny because Winnie and I have never met in real life. We're just talking over Discord, but we're we're immediately clicking on like these specific shows, and basically every show or like anime related topic we bring up, we'll sit there and talk about it. For like an hour, as if it was a podcast episode. So it's like, may as well just record it, get on with it, right? Yeah, no, that actually became kind of a running joke between us because anytime we were just chatting, either just the two of us or among some other friends, it would inevitably lead to like topics about anime or media in general, anyway. And we realized, like, oh my god, we're going into pod mode. Like. We're just talking, but it's happening anyway. Seems like such a kind of a waste not to kind of record it. And what started as a joke about like, haha, what if we made a pod? Um, became an actual pod, and here we are, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. And、um, the thing is, we're both artists who are both also、um, East Asian, and we're so. Sort of integrated into anime and having anime be an influence in our work,、um, I figured that both of our voices、uh, actually have some, perhaps, some value in this conversation around anime in general.、Um, yeah.、Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And uh, to add on top of that, like Lisa herself is also half Japanese. So uh, I've always really appreciated a lot of things that Lisa brings to the table that um, I, I might I might otherwise not have encountered in terms of like perspective and whatnot. And uh, I'm, as I said earlier, I'm an illustrator, but Lisa also is like an animator. So she's even closer to... <laughs> closer to anime question mark <laughs> do you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> give or take <laughs> <laughs> but i think definitely I mean, that aspect of you you're able to bring some like some some almost like insider perspectives that uh other people who just don't have that background might not be able to see from a first-hand expect, um, perspective. And I'm not saying, like, you're working in anime, like, you're living in Japan. And Definitely you, you, not. Nope, that, nope. <laughs> but, Please don't but, misunderstand. You yeah. Know, if that was my job, I would probably quit it, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of horror stories there. I don't know if we'll ever get into that. But, yeah, so today... Yeah. We're going to talk about a little bit of some first impressions and the way we casually critique things and just like the general appreciation of the East animation scene because we've set this pod sort of as an anime podcast, but I think there's a lot of stuff beyond that. At some point, I really like to talk about Donghua, which is um, sort of animation from China, uh, which I think if any viewers have seen anime and know how you can see sort of the influence they have on each other and those aspects, which I find really fascinating. Yeah, mm. for sure. I mean, I would really love to branch this out to just in general, like East Asian animation and art as well, because I, I feel as though those things are sort of anime adjacent in a way. Mm. Um, it, you'll see if there is such thing as an anime style, which I would assume most people have like some some general idea about that sort of quote unquote anime style is so pervasive in a lot of Japanese commercial artwork or like individual artists as well. So yeah, absolutely. This, this won't probably be just about shows or just about film, but you know, we'll see. We'll see as it branches out. <laughs> yeah, we'll start here as a, our jumping point. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Um, I like to ask you, Lisa, because I don't know if I have um, personally posed this question before. Do you know or remember what your first anime that you ever watched was? So I I was thinking about this quite a bit because I really cannot remember. So I'm just going to say, I was born watching anime. Oh! <laughs> they sat me in front of the TV and they were like, watch this Hello Kitty special on TV. It's like, in Japanese, I can't understand. Oh. <laughs> wow. um, and other like, I, I would say that, you know, it, I didn't think about it too hard. It's like, oh, I'm watching anime. It's just like, I'm watching like some Asian cartoon and also like some other Asian dramas and whatever. Um, so maybe like a Hello Kitty special is like something like that, the first anime, quote unquote. Right. But what about you? Yeah. Uh, well, first, I just want to comment what you're saying is um, I, it's, it's really funny. And I'm not surprised because when you grow up like from a certain culture, y you might just be surrounded by those kind of things. The, the whole time like if someone asked me what was the first Chinese drama you saw I'm like I don't know probably when I was a, in my baby crib my mom was watching some sort of peaking drama in the background and it entered my brain space um <laughs> but for me um because I 
I didn't have access to um, Japanese media through like my family or whatnot. That I think that's why I so poignantly remember my first encounter with it because it was so like this is a different thing. Like it's an animated thing. I've seen animated things before, but it left such a big impression to me. So to this day, I still remember. I was five. I was in kindergarten, um, and they started airing Inuyasha on.、Um, The 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 kids television program that I usually watch, except like after a certain time during the evening, it became like more mature things and anime and whatever.、Um, I mean, a five year old maybe should not have been watching Inuyasha,、uh, <laughs> but but it was on at like at 10 p.m. and I remember sitting myself down in front of the TV with my brother, and I would watch like the episode one episode per night before I tucked the both of us into bed.、Um, And yeah, I. To be honest, I haven't really seen Inuyasha since that time in my life. It holds a very nostalgic and special place in my heart as the thing that introduced me to anime, and I remember enjoying watching it a lot. But it was the first thing I watched. So I didn't really have much else to compare it to.、Um, but yeah, that was me.、Mm, that's so interesting. I. I like the part where you're like saying that maybe I shouldn't have been watching Inuyasha at, at five, but at the same time, like I feel like that was what was so engaging to me with anime after like a certain point. Like I was like, this is these shows are showing specific things, like they're they're showing things like death or they're showing more mature themes that I wasn't necessarily used to seeing.、Um, For shows like that on Cartoon Network or or so forth, so I I guess the draw is feeling that you're like a little bit more validated in your own maturity when you're a child watching anime, and then it starts to like stand out after a while as this is maybe a different genre than what I'm used to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think when I was that young, and the first impression I saw of oh, it's something animated, and the 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 the. Connection I have in my brain is like animated equals cartoons equals Dora equals for child child audiences, and then what's happening in Yunyasha is very much not in that realm at all. But I agree with you. I think that is definitely what drew me to it. Where also I don't think Yunyasha is like I don't remember it being that bad. It's not like <laughs> it's not like I don't think there was like really really X-rated things in there or whatever.、Um, but yeah, for. A young kid, there were a lot of elements that were quite surprising because you hadn't been exposed to it、uh, at that point. Which I think kind of brings us to the next thing I want to talk about, which is okay. So we mentioned like how, like, what was the first thing we watched? Like how we got into anime,、um, but like what what was the draw? Like why what made us want to seek it out more and find out more shows to watch? Sure. Yeah.、Um... I actually, you know what? I'm gonna append the the、um, what was my first anime answer to kind of answer this one. Oh, okay.、Um, because I had I had watched anime, but there was like an anime that really stood out to me as very anime、mm. that made me go into anime more. <laughs>、um, so, if you're familiar with shows like Clannad or、um, any other works by KyoAni or Kyoto Animation, they had put out this show called Air. And I was watching these clips of this show called Air on YouTube, and it was so like dreamy and melancholic、um, for an animated show.、Um, and all the characters were so remarkably detailed and, I guess, stereotypically anime in a way. 
but it was very engaging to me to see these super hyper detailed characters have like very um i guess abstract depictions of thoughts or like visual metaphors i i simply just wasn't used to seeing that in animated form um and i think it's what drew me into anime more than i was before right right <clears throat> Uh, I will say Lisa's answer is very beautiful and elegant and mine is not nearly going to be as much. <laughs> so for me, it was like, oh, Inuyasha, first introduction to anime. Oh, and also on the topic of Air, I'd heard of that show. I've never personally seen it, but I've seen Clannad and like some other KyoAni stuff. So what you're saying, I totally can see where you're coming from and can imagine those aspects you're mentioning. Uh, but yes, anyway, after Inuyasha... I was like, wait, this anime thing seems really, really cool. Um, and that actually, it, it, oh, you know what? I do have to also um, amend my anime journey a little bit to an, uh, another point, which is like the year prior, um, I had a childhood friend um, who, uh, it, my our parents were friends, and she came over one day and showed me one of her drawings. She really liked doing art and whatnot, and it was like of an anime esque character. And I'd never seen art like that before, so I, I inquired her about it, and she, you know, started talking about anime manga. And I was so fascinated. At that point, it's just a blank drawing, right? So, uh, not a blank drawing, a a a drawing on a blank piece of paper. Uh, so what drew me in was just the aesthetic properties at first. There was no storytelling attached to it yet. I just realized, wow, this like, it remi vaguely reminded me of cartoons, but it just looked so aesthetically pleasing and beautiful and interesting in a way that I had never seen anything else be. And then so the the next year I moved houses and Inuyasha happened to be playing at the time. So that was like my first time like, oh, this thing that I had heard about, I am now seeing on screen. I, I knew about the concept, but I hadn't experienced it firsthand. Um, but right after Inuyasha, I, I started looking around the internet more for this anime stuff. And um, I kind of bumped into the genre of shoujo, especially like, you know, shoujo romance. And that, that was, that was it for young Winnie, like shoujo, um, magical girls, romance, high school or not, that was my bread and butter. Uh, and I got really into shows like A Mermaid Melody. Um, you know, I watched Card Captor as a kid, Tokyo Mew Mew. I, one of my favorites was Saint Tail, which I think is not as popular in terms of, uh, magical girl, uh, animes that are household names. And yeah, um, I, I I did really like Inuyasha, but when I realized like that was just one part of the genre and there was another genre where everything's like kira kira and pink and ooh romance, that, that really did it for like... Big sparkly <laughs> eyes, super long detailed hair, the frills, like oh, everything. Yeah. What's there not to love about shoujo stuff like that? Like, yeah. uh, I, I'm totally with you. Like Those shows were also very... Um, very captivating for me as well um and certainly there were western shows along those same lines but 
they didn't seem to capture the same storytelling that um, those shows was was offering to me at the time. Mm -hmm. So it really was like a, a balance of that aesthetic draw um, and also like the slightly more mature storytelling. I'm sure if I go back, it'll be sort of, um, you know, yeah in its own way we, we've t we've talked about how like rewatching watching at this point in our lives might not be a great idea um yeah. <laughs> but it was great at the time no you, you're you're absolutely right yeah for me it was definitely the initial draw of aesthetics but that balance of storytelling i i do think to to me to to us at that time it did signal a sort of maturity that we weren't used to seeing in our media like you could see more mature storytelling i guess if you're seeing if you're watching live action movies but like how much are you going to connect to that when you're like 11 and in that sense anime i think had a great sort of um bridge for us where it there was a lot of um accessible elements in terms of how it looked and whatnot but also the storytelling was a step above and for me, yeah, getting into anime and manga, the big pu big push in the beginning was like show the shoujo genre. But as I got older, the thing that really made me stay around were the stories that tended that tend to focus on sort of more family themes or just deeper, more existential life topics, uh, what have you. Because I've talked with you lisa about this before slice of life is now my bread and butter i would say like the shoujo drama oh I, the shoujo drama yes. genre has kind of stayed around in my personal art style i mean you know i use a lot of pink and a lot of those aesthetics that you can kind of pinpoint and see the overlap but what i enjoy consuming in my free time is not really shoujo anymore but but more slice of life more like seinen i guess maybe is also a, a subgenre, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it tracks with our age groups, you know, shonen, shoujo, that stuff is for preteens to young teenagers. And now that we're in our early 20s, um, generally the types of titles that we enjoy are, are more for young adults. And I, I feel like that really speaks to the, uh, the di diversity of anime and, um, I, I really want to discuss over the course of this podcast um, the ways that how anime can be very diverse in its storytelling. Um, and also, I really hope that I can sort of communicate that anime is very multifaceted in what it has to present to people. Um, I Part of what I enjoy about anime is that it's very gray. <laughs> um, mm. And... It's not necessarily a monolith. Um, I, I often get that impression from Western animators when they tend to rag against anime and they might not know so much about it. They have a sp specific interpretation of what anime may entail. But anime is super diverse just as much as Western animation, perhaps even more so. Debatably, we'll see. <laughs> I was actually going to say that hot take as someone who knows very little about the workings of animation. Uh, so take my opinion with a grain of salt. I think anime is more diverse than I've ever seen Western animation be capable of. Um, because as you were talking, I was thinking what is really amazing about anime and manga as well is it, it's a it's a genre. Genre is not the right word. Like a form. A form of media that you could grow up with and continue to spend 
consuming for the rest of your life. Because right, as you're a young kid, maybe you're watching like Doraemon and magical girl anime, and then you're reading like shonen manga. And as you get older, there's slice of life, there's sh- um, seinen, excuse me, there's horror, you know, there's, you know, sci-fi thrillers. just, it spans any kind of genre that we could possibly think of. Anime and manga are really just like these huge vessels that allow a huge room of creative freedom and ways of expressing storytelling and, you know, sometimes very literal, but other times abstract ways that no matter what kind of genres you're personally into, there is an anime or manga out there that I think could satisfy your desires. Absolutely. I I think that's one of the primary things I want to communicate about about anime in general. It's just... I since I come from um, a 2D animation background and art school backgrounds, it's very interesting the different impressions that anime has from area to area. So I went to school in Georgia, but I also went to school in Hong Kong, and the professors there had two very different impressions about anime and its worth as an art form, um, which is which was disappointing to me personally because in truth there's not really much that separates anime from whatever the sphere is uh, is of um western animation um yes they're bound to like specific production things like uh they, they have to follow kind of certain industry standards as far as maybe we need to have like a, a moe character or whatever but um i would really like to promote the idea that we're one in the same you know i'm an american animator but uh on the japanese side as well you know there's humans on the other side of that <laughs> no you're you're absolutely right and that's something i think we've talked a little bit between just the two of us in the past as well this sort of sometimes unspoken but very insidious um groundwork within the western art scene that seems to have made us think anime is some other thing and many times it's not as good or like you're juvenile or immature if you want to if you aspire to work in a similar style or use that as an inspiration when like there's so many things to question like why is that barrier even there um i mean there's definitely lots of different answers that contribute to that but you're right like at the end of the day isn't it all just like animation it's all just another art form like why does there have to be such a distinct line um put in between the two and you talk about how like in anime yeah there is the plague of like moe and a lot of tropes that you and I might not personally be big fans of but those sort of um stereotypes exist in any sort of animation scene it exists in the western one as well just a different form like am I even gonna have to talk about how so much of the 3d animation looks the same they all have the same sort of eyes and kind of rendering you know so yeah and they're they're sort of tied to to marketing characters that don't really contribute too much to an overall story but they might sell really well in a store, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, absolutely. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you want to talk about um, specific shows that you like as an adult, the you right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, 
that and I thought that we could, if you wanted, also talk a little bit more about like our art background. We've mentioned how we're both working artists, yes. but sort of that that journey as well. I don't know what makes more sense to dive into first. Um, Let's go with yours first because I feel like we're already on that topic of art school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, like I sort of mentioned, um, when I was so enraptured by this anime slash manga art style I saw as a kid. That was, <laughs> this is going to sound a little cliche, what got me into drawing. Like, because I saw those characters and I was so just amazed by it, I wanted to emulate that style. So as a kid in elementary school, I was that artsy-fartsy kid who didn't want to play ball during recess. I just sat in the corner with my sketchbook and, you know, drew my little mermaid similar to the characters I saw in Mermaid Melody. And... <laughs> I wonder if I still have some of those sketchbooks. They'd be really fun to flip through. But yeah, for many years, I think between like the ages of five to maybe 12, I I seriously thought I'm going to become a manga artist. Like manga cop, that is my path. I bought those like how to be a manga artist um, <gasps> books from my local bookstore. Yes, I still have some of those. You know, I filled sketchbooks upon sketchbooks of like first page manga drafts and character designs and headshots, practicing hands, all of that. Um, and, you know, all the, all the while that was happening, my taste in manga anime did continue to like shift and change and whatnot. But I, I just was so, honestly, for, for me, I'm trying to think. I kind of flip-flop between different um, periods in my life when I watched more anime or, like, I read more manga. But I actually never thought about becoming an animator. Now that now that we're on this topic, I find it quite interesting. Like, I was like... It, that didn't even occur to me as a thought that you could work in the anime industry. I wanted to be a mangaka. And maybe because I just... I don't know. Animation really eluded me. But I think the reason why I wanted to be a mangaka more was because I was selfish. <laughs> And I was like, if I become a manga artist, it's my story. Like, you, manga artists tend to have assistants and, you know, their editors help them. But it's like, it's kind of like a one-person show helmed by you. Like, your name is on the volume. You create all the characters. You draw it, the majority of everything and write out the whole story arc. And that was so amazing to me. I say all of this, though, Lisa. I'll have you know, I never really completed anything beyond, like, maybe maximum three pages. I just kept wanting to be a manga <laughs> It's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So around the time. But I love that for you. <laughs> I you. I love that that can be a dream for a lot of kids. And um the thing is, I I would like to say that I had the same story where I'm like so inspired by anime or manga that I wanted to pursue it as a career path, but I was pretty quickly disillusioned by the idea of being a comic artist or being an animator, ironically enough, even though I'm an animator yeah. right now. <laughs> I mean, no, you. Um, I was just going to say that was glittery eyed Winnie from like the ages of five to 12, right? When I was 12, I entered your boat where I'd read enough of the how to become a manga artist textbooks. And also just when you read manga, they always have like little editor, um, like little notes by the artist that's, they'll say something about, along the lines of thank you for like picking volume three or whatnot and talk about like their daily life. And every single one of them always mentioned 
how horrible their schedule was, how overworked they were, how I'm sorry this <laughs> volume was delayed because I got scoliosis or like carpal yeah. tunnel or something and all the all-nighters. And I'm like, Jesus freaking Christ, you're like in your 30s and you're working like this? This is, you're gonna, I just quickly realized if I became a manga artist and I also realized like, oh, the sort of market I wanted to work in was Japan, and I didn't speak Japanese, so that was already a- another barrier. But just the reality of how hard it was, I quickly pivoted to, I want to continue enjoying, appreciating this medium, but I do not want to work into it. And I think that's how I got into illustration, um, as sort of like an adjacent thing where it, I could do similar things, but not have to be plagued of drawing chapters that are like 40 pages long, because I also suffered from... I can't draw the same character twice. They always look kind of different. It doesn't matter in illustration, though, because not as much because they're they're one-off pieces. And I realized, okay, I could still do something similar to that, but create more of like standalone pieces that maybe tell a story or, or can stand on their own, but not have to be part of one larger narrative thing, which I found quite difficult to balance. Same. So basically same, Winnie. I, I didn't have personal aspirations to do animation or be an animator and yet somehow I still ended up with an animation degree (laughs) and the reason for that being is because I was also interested in illustration um, because I I guess that was my primary passion and the thing that I was good at question mark Mm. Um, but sort of on a whim I, I changed my major to animation at the very start of my art college career just because um I, I wanted to take advantage of like maybe learning some things that would get me more make me more hireable in the future. Um, my heart wasn't dead set on being an animator, but I was interested in learning animation just in case. Um, but I've ended up being an animator. I do actually enjoy animation, surprisingly enough. Oh. It took me a little bit to get That's there good. because animation is so hard. <laughs> Yeah, um, um, I like Lisa's pragmatic way of thinking because I never thought about any aspect of fiscal responsibility or making a livable wage or becoming hireable. Although the whole time I did know there was the idea of that, oh, if you get an illustration degree, that might be something you're going to have to be faced with because it's not necessarily the most sought after or hireable degree after college but I just was so glittery I'd like I love art I love drawing I love illustration I'm gonna become an artist no matter what uh I've graduated now and I am on the job hunt so we all see how that worked out um <laughs> hey, same same I mean I'm freelancing but still same I, yeah, I yeah. you know uh regardless of what major we picked it's still like create the creative um field is still really difficult <laughs> the struggle is and real. also pandemic yeah i mean this is not going to be about the pandemic but just like a quick thing about no, that as oh God, well no. <laughs> sometimes i wonder how difficult really is that making the job hunt for us as artists because the thing is we graduated right into it i've never been like thrust uh, um thrust right into sort of the job searching field without the pandemic as an aspect to consider. So I don't have anything to compare it to. So sometimes I'm just sitting there like, ooh, was illustration the right choice? It's kind of hard to get hired, but maybe it's a lot of the pandemic's doing. Who knows? Anyway, we're here because despite all the struggles, there is something about being creative 
that still stuck with us. And, you know, even though I quickly didn't want to become a manga artist anymore, um, that my exposure to anime and manga as a young kid made, not just within drawing, it just made me realize there's a whole, uh, just an entire another world of options as it comes to becoming, as it comes to being creative. And I found that so, so fun, so fascinating, so just like absolutely amazing. Um, not only did I draw, I, growing up, I also did like a lot of arts and crafts. I love to sew. I love to like make little things from um, Palmer clay or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, think that definitely was indirectly influenced from being exposed to anime and manga and then drawing and then just wanting to find other avenues to be creative and artistic. Sure, sure. I mean, I feel as though the creative field is just one one big web and you go visit like the sister, sister hobby of like, I don't know, sewing or whatever. Um, after being into drawing or then you go into sculpting and it's all it's all good fun, you know, because at the end of the day, you're making something tangible. It's exactly. nice. <laughs> exactly. Um, I I do remember in in high school and, and college feeling a little hesitant to talk about anime and manga as sort of the base root of my inspiration to be artistic because we we've touched about upon this briefly before. There seemed to be this unspoken judgment sometimes from people when you mention that. Um, I think yeah. for, for various reasons, that idea of like, oh, like you're just into that moe stuff. It's kind of juvenile, amateur and whatnot. You know, this this Western gaze that we very much want to reject because it's been instilled the in us D for so word. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Derivative. Love that one. Um, oh, my goodness. I remember my first year of art school, I showed my first um, drawing teacher my personal sketchbook, and she just had this look on her face that I, so much judgment. I so know, much judgment. I know exactly what you're and, talking about. And I, I don't keep a personal sketchbook anymore. <laughs> <gasps> oh, no. I mean, it's that kind of experience that really makes you question yourself as, a, as an artist who's influenced by anime, but also... Um, as someone who's influenced by East Asian styles in general, because so much of it is sort of um, anime adjacent, it's it's difficult because I I find myself very judgmental of people um, in ways that I shouldn't be when they say that they're influenced by anime in art school settings. So let's just say you know if someone sort of brazenly said. I'm really influenced by like Bleach or One Piece or whatever. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. And yet, hypothetically, if I was sitting there in a classroom, I would sort of raise an eyebrow. And I, I hate that part of myself. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's, I, I don't want to be judgmental against people who are influenced from an East Asian style. Because I'm influenced by that. I don't want the, the professors to like get in my head about the style isn't professional. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not viable in the Western scene, even though I kind of doubt the validity of that. I think it's sort of growing in popularity. Um, but yeah. I, I just want to be true to myself as an artist and to, to pursue what I like stylistically. 
Yeah. Okay, Lisa, you said so many things that I'm over here just silently snapping my fingers to clapping because you're <laughs> preaching to the choir. Um, so I, okay. If I remember correctly, I'm going to sort of chron- chronologically address all of those points you touched upon. That, first of all, the sketchbook story you, you just mentioned about being traumatized from your professor's reaction hit me so hard. I didn't have like a, one-time thing where I can pinpoint like that happened but a similar arc did occur in my life as well where I realized like oh if I show people my personal sketchbooks um if I'm like 10 and it looks like anime it's whatever but as I'm getting um closer to applying to college and once I got into art college I just felt this unspoken fear of they people can't open my sketchbook and see that anymore I'm it's going to look a derivative, as you say, or, or embarrassing or something. And I, I hated that I felt that way, but I let it influence my decision to not draw like that in my personal sketchbooks anymore. I really actually distinctly remember making my portfolio to apply to art college. And also once I got into art college, being a, a, a sec, uh, a sort of university student, purposely changing my style a little bit more so it looked less anime specific you could still see some of the influence but i so that story that you said traumatizing you i i completely feel it because i i felt that sort of influence in me as well and your personal sketchbook is supposed to be one of the safest places for an artist right and yet we felt even at those places if there could be a pair of eyes potentially ever gazing upon it we can't let that be seen and sure sure yeah and then sort of if you're in an art college setting and in class someone's showing their work and mentioning their influence being Naruto or what have you and that instinctual gut reaction of being judgmental and then hating that you feel that way, absolutely. I've experienced that myself as well. It's such like a horrible oxymoronic place to be in or hypocritical, um, contradictory. What's the word? Big words are being used here. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, of wait, like I might have been in that spot in the past, or I might be there again in the future, and I would hate it if people judged me. Yet you also instinctively feel that judgment, probably from a mixture of the way that the Western art environment and just culture in general has um, influenced us to feel. But I don't want to sound really mean, but. <laughs> There are cases, though, where you're seeing that person and they do have work where you're like, but this isn't it. Because it's so great to be influenced by anime and manga. You know, your and my artistic journey has been influenced by that a lot. But there are certain times when you do see people just drawing anime characters that look like they're from Dragon Ball and that's it. And that kind of is where their work ends. Um, yeah. I, I'm, and it's a, yeah. it's a shame to see in art educational spaces where you should be branching out. You know, I, I don't blame professors for saying no anime. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's... I, I, I still feel as though there's inherently... Whether they mean it or not, there's sort of an anti-Asian bias. And I know that sounds very extreme. No, it's not. I was maybe going to say the (laughs) R word as well. But, you know, you really, you're a lot tamer than me. (laughs) 
Well, I, I say that because I've experienced so many instances where I've met other art students who won't break out of their style to learn, yeah. but their style is very, very Western. Like, so say, for instance, they'll draw exactly like, um, like Danny Phantom style uh, characters. Um, but then when it's time for them to learn, like, uh, uh, life drawing, um, drawing, like, nude models, they just, they can't do it. But their work is still, their their sketchbooks are still praised by professors, whereas someone with, like, a, a sketchbook full of, like, really, quote-unquote, derivative anime characters, they'll, they'll get a lesser grade. Um, and to me, that's, it's, it's bad faith to me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I don't think you need to apologize for that at all. I completely uh, hear what you're talking about. And I, I agree as well, because that aspect of, you know, telling um, students no anime um, to prevent them just drawing the same Dragon Ball Z character for every assignment. And when you're in an art college setting, just in any sort of secondary education, secondary education, um, higher education uh, setting, you you want to be able to encourage your students to branch out, try new things, expand their horizons during this very um, important time in their life. It, it sounds good in concept, but what you're commenting upon, and which I, I totally hear and I agree, and it also frustrates me a lot, is it doesn't get applied equally across the board. Someone who's making quote-unquote derivative anime work will will um, be told to, you know, kind of branch out and see, like, that's the whole point of college or whatnot. But you're right, the person over here on the side who's making Danny Phantom-like work, they might not be told the same thing when, in reality, aren't they doing something similar? So in that regard, I don't know if xenophobic is, sorry, xenophobic is, like, the right word, but th there's something there that's, like, this otherness. I is I would say xenophobic is the right word. Mm. The, the the othering is certainly a thing, and um, I I can I don't want to call out any professors that I've had or that go to my school. Most of them I didn't have. I I actually had a lot of really amazing, incredible professors, but they're for I I've had some peers who have had professors who are pretty explicit in their othering in that sense mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and it's it's a it, it's simply a problem absolutely <laughs> i i just don't see the point in pushing away other art forms that essentially are culturally relevant to other parts of the world why why would you not want to diversify your art form um yeah, just and my hot take. <laughs> I will. I will say this if we, because we want. I want to round out this part a little more hopeful because it's not all bad. There is optimism. There is light. Um, Lisa and I've talked about the fact that having graduated has been immensely helpful in our own um, personal art journeys to feel like some of the shackles have been taken off um, within our peer group in general. So many of us have been joking about like wow, it's time to go back to anime. Like in college, we felt suffocated and stifled that we couldn't do it. But now that we don't have professors breathing down our necks, uh, I'm really feeling like a kinship with like 12-year-old Winnie again. Like I, I want to kind of regain some of um, the way that I used to work and just to do things not in fear that someone will disapprove of me, but just to do what I want. And talking larger about the market... What you're mentioning about like animation 
trying to cater only to a specific Western audience because of capitalistic ideas like, ah, that's where the money is, like the buying powers, mostly from the white people, whatever. That's completely false because we're now in a time when anime is actually really popular, not just in Japan, everywhere. Have you seen what's popping off in Netflix? They're like making Netflix original anime. So many hot new titles are always coming out. People are really excited about it. And you know, I personally haven't seen the Monogatari series, but from what I've heard about it and the way that it works, it seems to be really specifically catered to a Japanese audience because of sort of the cultural references it makes. But Monogatari has a huge fan base outside of Japan. So there, there's so many things at play here, right? Like anime is becoming bigger and cross-cultural exchange is like really booming. People are very interested in media that references culture or might be more specific to a time and place that they're not personally familiar with. But that is an aspect that can be really fascinating and draws people in. So I really hope that what's happening right now um, with kind of the boom of anime and, you know, this online culture and even adjacent things, you know, like VTubers, like all of this sort of quote-unquote weeb culture that's coming to the forefront and becoming kind of like mainstream, almost kind of hip, you know, also like, you know, all the TikToks that use anime songs. Like what I'm saying is it's really permeating. Yeah. It seems to be, I mean, it seems to really be permeating the uh, pop culture conscience of not just the West, kind of all around the globe. And I hope that that signifies a really great thing and that maybe fewer art professors will be xenophobic in college after this time. <laughs> Oh, we can only hope. We can only yeah, hope. It, that was a great round out. And the last thing I'd like to say about it is that I, I feel like those experiences in art school is primarily why we wanted to start this podcast. We want to be indulgent and we want to revisit this thing that made us so passionate, passionate enough to start drawing. And now it's our career. Why would we not want to revisit that and want to celebrate that in a, in a non-ironic way? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I hope that we can bring a lot of those great discussions that we're having into this podcast and kind of expand ours and also maybe potentially some other people's horizons. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I wanted to ask if you wanted to briefly mention a little bit about our personal tastes before we, um, sort of, uh, and our first introductory episode, I think it might be good because it can introduce people to sort of our, the things that we personally gravitate towards and how it colors and influences the way we see different titles in general. Yeah, yeah. So for me, um, personal taste that I, I'm holding on to right now is that like Winnie, I'm also very slice of life oriented. Um, some of my favorite titles within that that scope are March Comes In Like a Lion and Natsume's Book of Friends. But I, I'm actually partial to a lot of different genres within the anime space. So like some shonen titles would be like Hunter Hunter or Gintama. Um, space Brothers kind of fits within that mold as well. Um, and I'm also very partial to sort of like fringe series like... Uh, series directed by Masaki Yuasa are a good example of that. So shows like Kaiba or Tatami Galaxy, um, shows that are a little bit experimental within the anime genre. Maybe they have like a, a really different style or a different way of storytelling. I'm really partial to. Um, 
because I really do enjoy seeing the the quote unquote anime style broken and deconstructed, and I, I'm not opposed to like the stereotypical story of like a girl in high school, but I do like to see the mold shift a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you.、Um, I will say just as a disclaimer.、Um, Lisa is my big, big anime senpai. She's watched at least twice as much anime as I have, so she'll often mention a lot of titles. Check my my anime list. I got four hundred fifty six titles completed. It's amazing.、I'm、I like, watched a lot. We're the same age, Lisa. How did that happen? Where did this disparity come from? <laughs> well, also, I really did not watch as much anime throughout my life as I wanted to because I was too preoccupied being a stereotypically good Asian student getting good grades, which. Grave mistake is if anyone is young and listening to this, watch anime. Who cares about grades? <laughs>、um, but yeah, Lisa mentions a lot of titles that I always go, "Oh, I, I've been meaning to watch that. I will at some point. I haven't gotten there yet." But despite sort of like a large discrepancy in the number of titles we've consumed, our tastes kind of overlap. Some I would say almost like perfectly. I am also very into character centric dramas. A、uh, slice of life is kind of like my big bread and butter, and like Lisa, I'm not like opposed to a lot of like the stereotypical setups within you know different genres, like you know a shonen MC having a power fantasy, or like a high a shojo romance where it's like one girl and there's like a whole bunch of guys who fall in love with her for seemingly no reason.、Um, But I tend to like it if something kind of subverts that. So for those kind of two genres I just talked about, it's no surprise to people who know me why I say like, "Oh, Mob Psycho 100" is like one of my favorite shonen, and "Orn High School Host Club" is one of my favorite shojo because they have some of that starting point of you know like powerful,、uh, fantastical MC with a you know strange psychic powers and. You know, Orin High School Host Club, just a whole bunch of hot dudes and one girl, but they do do something that's different. I think underneath those layers, all the sort of ridiculous, frilly elements on top, it's about the characters, the interpersonal relationships.、Uh, it's about how they develop and change their point of views and make genuine connections with each other that、um, sort of better their entire journey、uh, onwards. But Yeah, I I really love falling in love with the characters of what I'm watching, and specifically the relationships that they build. And when I say relationships, I'm I I do I could mean romance, but my sort of thing that I really gravitate usually towards is is family themes, found family, you know, blood family, just. It, connections that feel really full and genuine to me, whether they're romantic or not.、Um, and I'm looking at, you know, sort of the list, the titles I've put in my top nine. Most of these are not romantic. I also, I just recently finished March Comes in Like a Lion. Look forward to an episode of that because, from Lisa and me, it is one of our all-time favorite titles in general, not just within Slice of Life.、Um, but I really like. I, I like a good sports anime every now and then. Run with, run like the wind. Run with the wind. I forget what the English title exactly is. My favorite、uh, sports anime of all time.、Um, I do like some other series that maybe people aren't as familiar with. Like I really like Funayamu.、Uh, 
uh, which is, is a slice of life done by the same author who did Run with the Wind and Showa Genraku Rakugo Shinju. I just really character focused um, dramas are, are where I really gravitate towards. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, there's there's nothing quite like anime that can can touch upon those character focused character development and relationship oriented stories. Mm-hmm. I, I'll look for it in Western feature films or Western TV shows, but there's still there's still a strange gap there that I would really like to see crossed into mm-hmm. a more anime like territory because they really it hits like March comes in like a lion. It hits. I don't know how it hits so good. <laughs> <laughs> it hits so good. Right. We're going to try to analyze and pick it apart instead of just gushing for an hour that it's the best thing ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would like to also say that I'm not proud of this, um, but I tend to stick to shorter titles because I have the atten- attention span of like a goldfish. And I'm also trying to catch up on my anime watching journey. So when someone's like, watch this 100 episode thing, it's amazing. I'm like, well, I could watch five other things that are good instead of just one thing. Um, but Totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah. I'm, I'm the opposite type <laughs> of person where I'm very attracted to a long series. If there's a lot of hype around it and a lot of praise, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into that long series and have me a good time just hanging out a couple weeks with these really amazing characters. That sounds amazing to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you, Lisa. And recently I got a taste of that because I am an anime veteran, but I've also done a lot of I've yet to do a lot of anime veteran things, such as watch Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which I just completed like a couple weeks ago. And it's no surprise. Like, saying FMAB is a good series is like saying pizza is delicious. You know what I mean? It's (laughs) no one's going to argue with with you on that. But for me, among all the things that people usually praise it for, what I personally got out of it as well is just that taste of, oh, it's over 50 episodes. Most of the things I consume are under 25, but that added length to really spend time with the characters, fall in love with them, really see a larger character development arc happen, and the world building. This, the entire like package that's so cinched perfectly at the end is something that can only happen with a series that's a bit longer. And even by quote unquote longer series standards, um, Brotherhood is not that long, right? There's lots of anime shows that are upwards in the hundreds of um, episodes, but having seen that recently, I'm starting to see where Lisa's coming from, and I absolutely want to dig my teeth into some longer titles. There's a lot of things for up, like, as contenders, but I'm also scared to, you know, say I'll watch, like, a 500-episode thing when I've never watched something over 100 <laughs> episodes, so I might have to work my way up, and, you know, maybe I can ask Lisa for some recommendations since she's feels like has seen everything that's ever been made under the sun. <laughs> No, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, I would love to have that title. When I was a when I was in middle school, my goal was to like get over a thousand shows watched. I genuinely wanted to be that person oh. so I could have like a big old like repertoire of anime in my brain, <laughs> which to be mm. honest has served me kind of well in in the animation scene. I I have a really large repertoire of stories to pull from. Yeah, no. 
Uh, that's yet another reason that I want to consume more series. And even though I'm not an animator and even within my own work, um, I'm not really doing lots of narrative work such as comics or whatnot, but I just feel like every time I complete a, a really amazing series, whether it's an anime or manga, it, it brings something to me add something to my conscience that I feel like being an artistic person going forward I can really pull from and I'm very excited about that um I want to be inspired by like just even a broader range of things but you know what there's still lots of time left in our lives and I'm very excited to see these new things I haven't yet because instead of wallowing about like oh no I've watched so few things the flip side of that is there's still so much that I can look forward to right and even with something like brotherhood uh, once I got over the fact like, oh god, I should have watched this like 10 years ago when everybody else, or everyone, uh, every other one of my friends did. Um, I saw it as, but I actually do appreciate that I saw it when I was like a fully fledged adult. If I had watched it when I was like 12, I think a lot of the nuances about war and betrayal and personal morality might have gone over my head. So there's always pros there if you can kind of be open to it. Absolutely. Well, I feel like that was a pretty decent introductory episode, would you say? <laughs> I hope so. We're both new to this. <laughs> we are. Lisa, neither of us have ever done a podcast together. We quite honestly don't really know what we're doing, but we're here to have a lot of fun and talk with you guys and share your opinion. And hopefully you were able to kind of learn a little bit more about us and our inspirations where we come from but also just the animation scene in general and um the art school experience for two people like us who had such kind of similar backgrounds yeah 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 all right thanks for listening in and please consider supporting this podcast wherever it may be it's kind of um undecided this is still a work in progress we may uh, open a ko-fi at some point yeah yeah oh open donate the money so i can buy a snowball mic yes <laughs> yes yes me puffing into the microphone which i know i'll be editing later but um yeah yeah if you have any suggestions for shows that you might want us to might want to hear us talk about uh I don't know. Hit us up. <laughs> Not through emails. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe we, if we post it on YouTube. Maybe we, we need to make know. an official email, Lisa, so people know how to reach us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but Instead of, like, DMing our business email, can you talk about your lie in April? <laughs> oh, we would love to talk about that one. We have some hot takes. Um, but, for yeah, real. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. That's our introductory episode, and I hope you guys can look forward to whatever other adventures we get into along this podcast. Bye-bye. Yeah.